The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 195. Are you ready to think locally and act locally? Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to The Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at Brian McClanahan. Like my Facebook page, at Brian McClanahan. And subscribe to my YouTube page, at Brian McClanahan. Also go to my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's Brian with an O. Give me an email address, and I'll give you a free ebook and audiobook read by yours truly, Forgotten Founders. You can support The Brian McClanahan Show by going to mclanahanacademy.com. It's always free to enroll, and I do have five courses available for purchase. They do make good Christmas gifts, so you got that that last-minute gift that you need. Well, digital content is always great for that. You can get it on the day before or the day of. You wake up on Christmas morning, you think, holy shnikes, I forgot to buy this person a gift. Well, you go to mclanahanacademy.com. You can get them a gift right there. So it's for that uh, for that person in your life that needs that just needs some high quality education, not high quality H two O, but high quality education. You know, high quality H two O is good too. And of course, you can also support the Brian McClanahan Show by going to my Liberty Classroom affiliate link, Learn True T R U E History dot com. Learn True History dot com. Again, another digital content subscription that would be great as a gift. Please get it through my affiliate link and support the Brian McClanahan Show that way. And you can always get your Brian McClanahan Show gear at redbubble.com. Just do a search for my name. Go to redbubble.com and then do a search for my name. You get your shirts, you get your tumblers, you get your wall clock, you get your wall plate stickers, all kinds of cool stuff. Stationery, it's all out there. Go to redbubble.com. Time's running out to get that stuff before Christmas, but they do make good gifts there as well. All right. Um, Let's talk about the topic, and this is this is going to be contemporary. I'm recording this fairly soon after this uh, particular issue or particular event happened, I should say. But it was the meeting between Donald Trump, Nancy Pelosi, and Chuck Schumer. Now, I want to talk about this because this is all over the place right now. And I take great joy, I'm sure, like everybody else does, who doesn't who doesn't care for the income poops of Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and watching them get abused. Uh, in the Oval Office, it's it's funny. I mean, to to watch this is good, high quality entertainment uh, for for a variety of reasons, and I'm going to get into that. But then there's also some problems with this uh, this exchange on both sides, and I want to talk about that too in relation to the Constitution and what's going on here and how far we've actually strayed from <laughs> from the founding generation or even the generations through the 19th century. Uh, and a lot of this has to do with executive government. It's why, it's why I wrote Nine Presidents Who Screwed Up America. It's why I wrote How Alexander Hamilton Screwed Up America, because executive government produces the type of situation we just saw in the Oval Office yesterday with Trump, Pelosi, Schumer. And also Mike Pence was there, which is part of the funniest thing. So I, I want to I set the stage and, and kind of give you a visual of what's happening here. If you haven't seen this video, you can go to Drudge Report. They've got it on there. They've uh, at one point they had the whole 15-minute exchange, and what happened was that Trump invited Schumer and Pelosi and Pence to the to the White House, and they were going to have a conversation about what's going to happen in the next legislative session. And you've got the four of them sitting there, Trump on the edge of his seat, the way Trump does. He's sitting on the edge of his seat. He's man he's man spreading, right? So he's he's got a a position of 
not not relaxed. He looks very aggressive in that particular position, and he's he's forward. This is how Trump usually his body language is, right? He's he's not relaxed. He's very intense. That's his body language. Then you have Mike Pence looking like a, a kindergartner, slouched back in the chair, uh, and almost like he's invisible. His entire body language is uncomfortable. He doesn't want to be there. He doesn't like being there. He looks like the little kid or the third wheel that was just invited. Uh, Trump's on the double date with, with Pelosi and Schumer, and Pence was invited along just to uh, be the chaperone. He's the designated driver, so to speak. And he looks like he just is completely out of place. He looks like a little boy who shouldn't even have been there in the first place. So you got that. Then you've got Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer sitting on the couches. Pelosi is also on the edge of her seat, uh, and she looks very uncomfortable as well. But her body language in some ways mirrors Trump's. She She's on the edge of her seat. She's upright. She's kind of forward in a combative, uh, a combative body language stance with Trump looking a little more relaxed but certainly in a combative. And then you have Chuck Schumer, who looks like, uh, I mean, it's it's funny, the body language. He's slouched over in the couch, leaning forward with his legs crossed, and he he looks, again, completely out of place here. And I, and I think he, he looks like an idiot. Uh, and this is, this is beautiful. The framing of all of this is just absolutely beautiful because you, it's, it's almost like Trump sat Pelosi and Schumer down and the uh, he's got a higher chair than they do. He sat him down in the in the soft chair that's below the desk. Uh, it, they're sitting they're sitting at the kids' table, so to speak. Uh, or it's that you come into the to the office, you go into someone's office, uh, and they've got the chair where they have to slouch way in it, and it makes them feel small compared to you sitting at the desk higher. I mean, this is this is stuff that people do to try to try to force a a position of dominance on people. It's absolutely hilarious. And so, uh, I mean, I love seeing Schumer and Pelosi get abused this way. And then, of course, you've got you've got Pence sitting over there. Uh, just, uh, I mean, if he could be invisible, he would have been. If you can, if you can get a, a, a video of this, it is just absolutely hilarious. So that's part of it. Now, what happened? Trump invited the media in. They were going to have a conversation. And this was, you know, usually what happens, the media is invited in to take some pictures, a little video. There's some nice pleasantry. Oh, look at us. We're going to have a meeting between Congress and the president. And we're going to talk about some things. And uh, that's it. Then the media is excused and they go their they go their own way. And you've got the president and vice president. And then, of course, the leaders, the Democrat leaders of the Congress, the upcoming Congress, incoming Congress, sitting there in the room. Now, Pence could also be there <clears throat> because he is the de jour leader of the Senate. And so he is the vice president of the United States. Now, when he's not in the majority, uh, he's not. But s- s- technically, he still is the president of the Senate, right? So that the, the Senate can pick a president pro temp for when Pence isn't there. But Pence could preside over the Senate the entire time if he chose to do so. So uh, Pence is the de- is the de facto and well I should say, both de facto and de jure if he wanted to be, but of course they they punt that responsibility on to somebody else uh, when the majority is is of the party or not. There's the president pro tem. Uh, so Pence is there for legislative reasons, but this is interesting because normally all those pleasantries are exchanged and then the media goes on and then they really get down to business. Well, Trump didn't do that. He kept the media there, and then he started attacking Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. 
Now, one of the things Trump did, and I think this is interesting, it's, it's very informal. I, I've, I don't know if I've ever seen this before, where the president uses the first names of the individuals, Nancy and Chuck. He says, Nancy, do you have anything to offer? Chuck, do you have anything to offer? Normally, in a, in a very formal environment, you would say uh, uh, Congressman or Congresswoman Pelosi, Pelosi or Congressman Schumer, Senator Schumer, do you have anything to offer? But he doesn't. It's very informal, and I think in a way almost informal to slap at them. And, and, and this is this is Trump and what he does in the in the presentation, which is funny. He's got them sitting at the little boy seats. He's got them at the kids' table, and he starts calling them their first name, which is very informal and a position of dominance. And so I think that, again, it's funny. It's like when Trump was uh, in Europe and he pushed uh, one, of the, one of the European leaders out of the way so he'd get to the front of the picture. And it was hilarious, right? This is what Trump does. Uh, and look, I, I, uh, I, I, I don't like the imperial presidency, but these people are so ridiculous. You just want them abused for a little while. They're funny. It's funny to do it. It's funny to make a mockery of this. I've often said if, if, you, know, if you could get elected and make a mockery of the presidency, Trump, would, I mean, Trump is doing it. Uh, the only thing you could do more would be to, uh, you know, make the uh, make the White House uh, kind of like a, a 1980s uh, glam fest where you have, you know, gold plated walls and all these kind of things. If Trump could do that, you know, hot tub in the Oval Office or something. I mean, look, Bill Clinton made it the bachelor pad. Trump could, could ramp that up 10 times over. That would be the only other thing to do to uh, make a mockery of the executive branch, would be, which would be just h- absolutely hilarious. But, and Trump wouldn't do it on per, uh, in, in a way to make a mockery of it. He would just be Trump, and it would be funny. But uh, he's not going to do that, unfortunately. I wish he would. Uh, it, it's just, but what he's doing in all the body language and everything else that's going on here is just absolutely stupendous. It's, it's completely hilarious. Now, let's get into the meat of what's going on here and where I think there are some problems with this stuff and where it shows, uh, how it shows where we've gone with the imperial presidency. Um, and, I, and I, of course, just did something about this with George H.W. Bush and all the fawning over the Bushes and the presidents and everything else. Uh, we're going to see this every time a president dies. Uh, we're going to see this every time we have a, a leader of Congress now. They're going to lie in state. They're going to do something. We're going to have this whole big hubbaloo about these people. Uh, but certainly the presidents. We've got, we've got an elected monarchy. And you don't need any other example of it than this particular video. Now, here's where Pelosi was actually correct. Trump is asked about legislative issues, and he goes on and on about we're going to get crime bill, uh, we're going to get a farm bill, and then he starts talking about the wall. The first question is, why is the media asking Donald Trump about the legislature? The president is not the legislator-in-chief. Pelosi actually points this out. She says, we are the legislative branch. You can make proposals, and then we get to legislate. She's correct about that. She is correct about that. To to pull the Congress before the president, the idea is that you're showing that the president has an agenda, and the president's agenda is the agenda that the Congress has to work off of. If the Congress really wanted to show its backbone and its metal, it just wouldn't meet with the president. It would say, we're not going to meet with you. We're going to, we're going to pass legislation, and you can veto it. That is your right to do so, constitutional right to do so, 
to veto the legislation. But we don't have to discuss with you what we're going to do in the legislative branch. That's for the Congress to do. The, the president is not part of the legislative process. Now, I know when you go back into the, into, even in the founding period, you know, Jefferson made clear, for example, in his administration, that there are certain things he wanted. And this is where the president can make recommendations. Again, in the Constitution, Article 2, it allows the president to make recommendations to the Congress from time to time for things that he thinks they should do. He can make recommendations. The Congress can say, ah, we'll take your recommendations and throw them in the trash. They don't have to do any of that. And Jefferson certainly made it clear that there are certain things he wanted to do. He wanted the Congress to do. He wanted the Republicans to control the Congress at that point to do certain things. But he didn't wade down into the legislative arena. He allowed his surrogates to do some of this. But he himself did not do it. And that was generally the practice of the president uh, all the way up until about the time of Woodrow Wilson. It's Woodrow Wilson that changed the presidency to the parliamentary presidency. And this is exactly what Donald Trump is doing by saying we're going to do these things. He is being the prime minister president, the leader of the faction, his faction in the Congress, the de facto leader of that group, and he is pushing a legislative agenda. So Pelosi says, you know, you, you can, this is where Congress legislates and you don't. I mean, she, she essentially says this. She is 100% right on that. Here I am on the Brian McClanahan show saying Nancy Pelosi is right. And she was. The other thing that she said was correct, and this is something I've mentioned on this show, if the Republicans were really serious about a lot of the things that, they, that Donald Trump is talking about, for example, building a wall, border security, they could have already done it. For two years, they could have done it. And if, had, if they had done it, they wouldn't have lost in such a way in the 2018 election. I don't call them the midterm elections because that shows that, the, again, the presidency is the primary. They would not have lost the way they did in 2018. Now, it wasn't a blue wave, contrary to what people say. Uh, it, it really wasn't. Um, but uh, they wouldn't have lost in that election. And uh, if, they had, if they had just followed the agenda they had been elected on, and one of those things was you know, cutting taxes, trimming spending, uh, reining in the, the welfare state, and also border security, something they were elected on. They didn't really do any of these things. The tax cuts were not permanent, and there were some problems with that. Uh, I mean, the things that they said they would do, the, the, this is where the Republican Party is the stupid party and the real issue in America because they don't believe what they say. The Republican Party is a great big problem. But if they had done all of these things, there would be no Democrat majority in the next, in the next Congress. And Pelosi's right. She says, look, you've got the votes right now in the House. You could get a border wall in the House. They could pass it. And Trump retorts and says, well, I don't have 60 votes in the Senate. We don't necessarily need them. You have the nuclear option at all times. Just go for a simple majority. So Trump is grandstanding here in a way. He is. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Right now, the Republicans still control the House. They control the Senate. And they have the executive office. And Pelosi is 100% right. If you wanted these things, if the Republicans really firmly believed in these things that you're saying, you could do it right now. You could fund the border wall right now. It would go into the next fiscal budget, and it would be there. Now, Schumer... 
Um, and Trump keeps saying, I need 60 votes. I need 60 votes in the Senate. I could get it through the House, but I need 60 votes. Again, the nuclear option could be invoked. You could just go with a simple majority. And you wouldn't need any Democrat support. You've got the Senate. You still control it. You've got 51 votes. Right? So you could still do it. And the current makeup of the Congress, you've got enough votes to do it. So they could do it. The problem is that Trump, and as Pelosi is right, he really doesn't have the support because you've got Republicans still that have been booted out of office now or retiring that won't support the Trump agenda. So Nancy Pelosi is 100% right that if the Republicans really firmly believed in all these things, they could do them right now and it would not be a big scene. Now, when the Democrats come into office in January, they could simply undo all these things, but they would face a veto. So they wouldn't get their way. And this is where the Republicans need, and I think in some ways Trump was not just speaking to the Democrats, he wasn't just speaking to the public, which he was trying to do and saying, this is my agenda, I'm showing this, I'm, I'm grandstanding a bit here, but this is what we need to do. He was speaking to those Republicans in the Senate and he's saying, look, we need to do this stuff right now. you got these guys coming in here, and they're not going to do it. And I'll shut down the government if they don't do it. Right? So I think that that's Pelosi's right. Now, where Trump is making this interesting is he's, and, and this is where Pelosi has said something that was so revealing about the current the uh, current government in Washington, D.C. She says, well, we, we should talk about this in private. Now, why would she say that? Why would Pelosi say to Trump during this heated exchange, we should talk about this in private? Uh, why would she do that? She does it because she knows, she knows that... <clears throat> Most legislative business nowadays gets done in private. The, gone are the days when a bill would be put before Congress, and then you would have long debates about the constitutionality of a bill, about the expediency of a bill. It just doesn't happen anymore. All the stuff is done in private where the public cannot see it. And so this is a clear example of where we are in the legislative process in 2018. When you go back as a historian, and I go back into the congressional globe and the annals of Congress, and you go back and you read the speeches, and this stuff was printed. It was printed like a newspaper, and it was sent out, and you could, you could subscribe to this thing, and people would get it, and they would read the, the, the debates and the speeches. And the congressmen themselves would go look at it before it went to press and say, no, no, change this. I said this. There would be an attempt to have a grand speech that people could read. And there were appendices put out for this, and long speeches were put into that. People, and congressmen would print their speeches and then have them sent to their constituents and people could get them because they understood that was a way to communicate with the public about the issues of the day. This wasn't done behind closed doors. Of course, there was always some wrangling, and congressmen talked, and we've got the issue, for example, in 1794, when Rufus King and Oliver Ellsworth corner uh, John Taylor of Carolina in a cloakroom and say, look, will you support secession? These things went on all the time. There was always backroom deals being cut, and this is where Henry Clay made a name for himself. You go to his boarding house, and you talk about the issues, or you talk about getting the president elected in 1824. Over dinner. I mean, these things happen. There's no doubt about it. 
But there was much more public display of the issues. And for a historian, this stuff is great. You can go out and read the speeches. You get a, a real window into what's happening in the Congress. And again, some of this could have been just grandstanding. These people were just making a scene so that their constituents would know, I don't support this bill and this bill is unconstitutional. But for a, from a historian, this stuff is great. They don't do that in Congress anymore. They don't do it at all. They meet behind closed doors. They meet in their offices. They don't really debate anything. you got to read the bill to know what's in the bill. you gotta, you got to pass the bill to know what's in the bill because then you can read it. The bills are written and not even, they're it might as well just passing a rolled up newspaper. This is what happened in the Rose, Franklin Roosevelt administration. We don't know what's in the bills anymore because the congressmen themselves don't write them. They don't write them at all. They have special interest groups. They have others write the bills and then they just pass it based on parameters. And we don't even know what's in it. And there's no debate because all this stuff is cut. All the deals are cut behind closed doors in private, as Pelosi says. Well, let's get the media out of here, and then we'll really talk. We'll really talk shop. We'll really get down to, to nuts and bolts, and we'll see what we can do. What we're going to agree with. You see, that's the current. And Trump actually says, "Well, I'm for I'm for um, uh, I'm for open open for openness. I'm for I'm for uh, I'm for what you would call in Florida sunshine laws. I'm for people understanding that pe- people can get a window into what's happening in the government." Now he so he's fra- he's he's framing this as for as for transparency, for legislative transparency. Here we go. You're sitting here. Just talk about what you're going to do. Now he knows the Democrats can't actually do that because you see Pelosi is on thin ice in her own party. If she actually committed with Chuck Schumer, if either one of them committed publicly on record to supporting anything in the border wall. It would be political suicide for both of them. But he also knows privately, which is where Pelosi let the cat out of the bag, they'd probably agree to something, that give, giving Trump something. There would be a deal somewhere that would, that would be beneficial for the Trump administration. And he knows they can't do that on the record. So he's putting, them, he's putting, he's putting the screws to him. Well, just tell me what you're going to do. Well, we can't do that. We we can talk privately. We can we can work out all this stuff, uh, you know, behind uh, behind when the media is not here. Then we can come back to the media when we when we've when we've created something that we can we can promote. That's a lie. We can do that. We can come back to the media when we've already worked everything out behind the scenes. Then we'll go to the media. Trump's saying, well, why are you going to do that? Why can't you just talk about it now? Look, here's what I'm saying. I'm saying we need a border wall. I'm saying we're going to have border security. I'm saying all these things. Do you support that? And the the Schumer and Pelosi kind of hem-haw around here. They say, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we don't necessarily need the wall. We can just... But what what's happening here is Trump is making them look like fools. Again, the body language, where they're sitting, how they're doing it, all of that is is a is image. Schumer looked like a little old man sitting at the kids' table. Pelosi stumbled around and looked like a fool for the most part. Again, Mike Pence looks like he's irrelevant uh, because everybody talks about how Pence should be. I mean, we should get rid of Trump and put Pence in there. And But he's showing that Pence is a nobody. He's invisible. He's so vanilla. He's just nothing. Uh, nobody would want Pence except the Democrats. Because, you see, Pence won't stand up to anybody. Pence said zero during this meeting with the media watching. 
He might have been saying something else when, when the media wasn't, cameras weren't rolling, but he was a non-entity. So Trump had framed this perfectly for the media. And Pelosi exposed herself perfectly for the media. We need to go behind closed doors, and we need to talk about this behind closed doors, and then we'll come out, and then we'll talk about it, and we can lie. Need to pass the bill to see what's in the bill. You see. Don't read it yet. Don't, you don't have time. We'll craft it, and then we'll get a continuing resolution. So a continuing resolution also helps the Democrats because we'll just fund the government for a little while longer, and then we'll get our we'll, we'll start doing what we want to do. The Republicans should be passing a two-year budget right now and not allowing the Democrats to have a say in what happens until 2020. That's what they should be doing right now. If, if, if you could have... Uh, any if this message gets to the Republicans, this is what they should be doing. But of course, you have the people in the Congress that don't want the Trump agenda, so they're going to block any of that. You see, so Trump is actually he's he's doing this perfectly for the media, but it does show the imperial presidency. It should, it shows the complete uh, spinelessness of the Congress in many ways. It also shows where we've come, where the Congress really doesn't do anything openly anymore. There's no transparency. It's all backroom deals. And, uh, you know, behind the scenes, all of that. This is where we are in 2018 in the quote-unquote national government. And it's why we should all be thinking locally and acting locally. We don't see what happens in Congress anymore because you can't sit in on the meetings. It doesn't matter what they do on the floor. It doesn't matter what stupid show they put on the floor for the media. All of that is irrelevant. Pelosi let the cat out of the bag. It doesn't matter. But I can go to my city council meeting, and everyone knows that the councilmen talk behind the scenes, but you can make much more of a stink at your city council. You can go to your uh, state representative. In many cases, and particularly in some of the New England states, you've got a representative ratio of just a few thousand to one. I can go to those people, and I can say, look, this is what I want done. This is what we need done in our state. Where I live, the representative ratio is about 30,000 to one, but I know my state rep. I can go talk to him anytime I want. And if I don't like something that's happening, if I want to be engaged in a way, I can go do that. Uh, this individual is very active in the community. And so I can go talk to him anytime I want to. I can't do that with my U.S. rep. I've met him one time. And um, most of the time it's just for photo ops. This is where the, the individual comes around for a few photo ops. And just we got to see what's going on here. Got But... It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter at all. So uh, this is this is the the issue we have in modern America, where we don't really have uh, real transparent government. We don't have we don't have government where people can participate and know what's going on. Everything has to be done behind closed doors. The media can't be involved. If you start saying, "Well, let's talk in front of the media," no, 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 we can't do that. Also, we have a president that sets the legislative agenda. That shouldn't be happening. Now, the other question about the veto, and I said the president is constitutionally able to veto legislation. He should only be vetoing legislation that's unconstitutional. So in that way, he should probably veto everything the Congress sends him until they clean it all up and make it constitutional. But that's not the issue now. The veto has become the legislative hammer. Again, this is the imperial presidency. I'm going to veto legislation I don't like, 
Now, who cares if the government is shut down? Nobody's going to miss it. Uh, the funny thing is, of course, the grandstanding that's going to take place over that. We're going to close the sidewalk. Uh, yeah, you can't walk on this sidewalk in front of Independence Hall. That's Independence Hall sidewalk in front of Independence Hall is closed. Uh, you can't walk on this sidewalk at Mount Vernon. Uh, that's closed. And, of course, the videos of joggers running by it. Uh, you can't come to this public memorial because the government's closed. I mean, this is just stupid. People. I mean, and again, Trump would win that battle this time again. He would say, "Okay, yeah, I shut it down." He's not going to close down all that kind of stuff. I think. And when people realize, I remember back in the '90s, you know, the government shut down. Nobody missed it. It was shut down. Who cared? The government's been shut down again. Who cared? Nobody misses it when it's shut down. Nobody misses it, which is why the Obama administration again had to grandstand and try to close down public monuments. Because that was where oh, the government shut down. You can't go to Independence Hall. We're going to have police standing on the sidewalk. Can't walk on the sidewalk. I mean, how stupid is this? But this is this is what we've got in the modern American legislative process. It's absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But here we are. The imperial presidency, the spineless Congress, the non-transparent government. We've strayed so far from original intent. This is what we have, a great big political theater, a show, a show. So if you really want to change this, forget about Washington, D.C. Forget about it. It doesn't matter. Uh, it's lost. It's been lost for 30 years or more. I mean, we, I, I mentioned in, in Nine Presidents, you know, George H.W. Bush uh, was a was a part of a long process and to slide into monarchy. Uh, and it started before Bush. I mean, there's no doubt Reagan, uh, I... I I praise Jimmy Carter on this on this particular podcast for being the last Republican small uh, you know lowercase R Republican president uh, because of the, some of the things he did. Reagan certainly was pushing that agenda, and the Republican Party has been responsible for this. But this is what we've got, and if you really want government that's responsive and effective, you got to think locally and act locally. So this is a think locally, act locally episode based on the video that's out there of Trump, Pelosi, Schumer, and Pence. You got to watch it. It's absolutely hilarious. You'll get a good, a big kick. I mean, it's fun just to watch these people get abused, but not just that. What you get out of that image is is so important because it exposes what American government actually is today. I'll see you next time on the Brian McClendon Show.